Welcome to Reconnect with Plant Wisdom. I'm your host, Tigrila Gardenia, nature-inspired mentor and leadership coach. In this podcast, I share ancient and modern knowledge from biology to spirituality about the wondrous ways in which plants can help you lead a naturally conscious life. Hello, hello, and welcome to a new episode of Reconnect with Plant Wisdom. It's me, Tigria here, and I am so excited to talk to you. So welcome, Sprouts and Future Sprouts, because just in case you didn't know, in the Naturally Conscious community, we call ourselves Sprouts, and I am your mama Sprout. Um, today we're going to, you, you should go over to the Naturally Conscious community. All of the details are in the notes here and in the description, and you're, you're just going to love it. You're going to love it, but I'm not going to go off on a tangent because I could just do an entire episode dedicated to the amazingness of the Naturally Conscious community. Instead, today I want to talk to you about evolving scarcity into richness. The plant way, of course, because, you know, that's what we talk about here, right? How can we work with plants and how can we learn from plants in order to evolve our own lives? So I was actually going to start by talking about um, scarcity, but I think, I think in this particular topic, it might be more interesting to first talk about richness, um, because if that definition is skewed, well, then our entire conversation is going to be skewed. So I want to talk about what we mean by richness. Is it abundance? Is it prosperity? Is it happiness or sufficiency? Is it lots and lots and lots of money? You know, in human terms, what is it that it can actually mean? And more importantly, what does it mean in plant terms? So I'm sure, I have no doubt right now, that in your mind, you're probably running through a whole series of definitions because richness can really mean any one of the terms that I just mentioned above and probably plenty more. Actually, if you have more, I want to hear them because I'd love to hear how you define richness. So you can either pop them into a comment or send me a message, or you can, um, through any of my social media, or you can come into the Naturally Conscious community and tell me there, because I really want to hear this. Richness is one of those terms that um, I'm always discovering new ways that people feel and express this. But anyways, for some, or probably for many, it could be uh, an amount of money in the bank, right? If I have this much, that means I have richness. For others, it could probably be a feeling like I feel rich and I feel a richness in my life. Some people might think it's synonymous to abundance. So I feel richness when I have an abundance of things. Like I'm not going to sit here and try to define all of them because <laughs> we're just going to go over and over. But I do feel pretty confident saying that it is most likely your individual definition. At most, maybe a definition that touches your immediate family. In other words, you're probably not thinking of your richness in terms of the richness of, I don't know, your city or your um, your uh, company that you work for or for something larger. It's probably something that really surrounds your immediate environment. And at most, like I said, the immediate environment of your family. And this Slightly different from the way that plants might look at it. So what is it that richness means when it comes to plants? So richness can mean several things to an individual plant, no matter where that plant is. It could mean having a large number of cooperative relationships um, across many different kinds of species, animal species, human species, other species, bacteria species, um, just having those cooperative types of relationships. 
Also being locally attuned is another important aspect of what it means to be rich as a plant. So I'm locally attuned and I'm responsive, and we're gonna get into that whole responsive concept in a little bit, to the current environment. So you could think of responsive as being flexible enough to respond, which means something happens and I'm able to do something different than what I've been doing based on what the environment asks of me. Um, also having the ability to maintain integrity, so maintain your own integrity as a plant through self-renewal. And we've seen this, right? You maybe pass by a plant and inadvertently kind of slice a little uh, piece of a, a leaf. And the plant is either able to regenerate or to cauterize that and to deal with it. Um, and so plants, if you move a plant from one place to another, you'll see the plant shift bodies in order to be able to better take in the conditions of that local place. So, and more importantly, when there are, um, I don't know, droughts, so a, a plant that you maybe forget to water a little bit too long or that there is drought outside is able to uh, change physiology and renew certain parts of, of themselves in order to better adapt to those to that location. And also another important factor is the ability to produce and consume nourishment in a closed loop system. So a plant has a, a system in which the plant lives, right? Even a pot plant is still living within a system that has soil, the soil has microbes, um, there's the air in which the plant is, is located in, there's you as a human being if it's a house plant. So if that plant has a closed loop system and is able to produce as well as be nourished from that overall system. And these are some of the main characteristics of what we think about um, as richness from a plant perspective. And an unexpected richness that comes from kind of all of this, even though it's slightly a different category, but at the same time, it brings together all of these categories, is the ability to self-organize, or better said, to forge your own path. Sounds familiar for us, you know. Self-organize is really something that there are still some people out there that don't think plants do on their own. In other words, they feel like plants just follow some kind of biological model, but we, we know that's not true, right? We know that the plants are able to take in data and knowledge from the environment in which plant that plant lives, and then is able to organize the way that the body grows, the amount of, of transpiration that, it, that the plant does. So in other words, the way the plant breathes, the amount of nourishment coming in, the amount of oxygen being sent out, all of these things is our characteristics, decentralized characteristics that a plant can control in order to organize better. And this is part of the plant's richness because it means that the plant knows that, that within themselves, they have a whole series of characteristics that they can turn on and off. Plants can even turn on and off genes based on the conditions in which that seed grows. So there's a whole series of different aspects that allow the plant to self-organize. And that self-organization is a richness in the sense that it allows the plant to be um, able to take and give the most to the local environment through all of these different things, through the relationships that are created, through the attunement to the local space, to the self-renewal in case something happens, and to the production and the consumption of the nourishment that is in the actual system without having to, because kind of 
kin cans, go off and search for other things. So for a plant, a richness is not the ability to be nourished, but the ability to create nourishment from within the system in which I'm in. So they produce and they take in, but sometimes they even produce things that they themselves take in. So that a whole piece are really parts of the definition that get created for richness for a plant. And all of these things um, kind of show that the plants aren't just following a program. They're not just biologically responding in and out. Plants create the conditions that allow for different species and even different parts of themselves and parts of the ecosystem in which they're in, whether that's the pot of an ecosystem, which includes really your house, because the ecosystem is not just the soil, but the ecosystem is also the air and the relationship and the chemicals between you and that plant and such like that. So the plant is able to do all of these different pieces and interact, like help attune all of these different pieces in a harmonious way, which is what enriches the overall system. So when you have a system that's being enriched in this way, then each one's output, like every single species that is in that, in that um, ecosystem, everyone's output becomes somebody else's input. One person, and by the way, here, of course, I'm talking about animal persons, human persons, bacteria persons, plant persons, and beyond. One person's waste is another one's nourishment. And so that is how plants can even thrive on our compost and our manure, right? They thrive on our waste. Um, they thrive on our carbon dioxide that comes out of ours. And so by creating that environment in which they can thrive off of others' waste, then they constantly feel rich and enriched because they have multiple sources from which they can take. All these things really lead to both an individual as well as a collective, so, you know, an ecosystem level, resilience and stability. And that resilience and stability, again, are elements of that richness. When I feel like I can weather the storm, when I can feel like I can take on whatever needs to happen, when I feel like I'm stable enough to be able to assess, make a plan and move forward, but I'm not so stable or rooted that I'm actually not inflexible or incapable of movement, I feel rich, I feel free, I feel abundant because I know that I'm not gonna go into suffering or lack. I might go into periods of, of um of lack, but I'm gonna talk about that in a minute when we start talking about scarcity, because I think it's really important. So kind of as we've talked about in previous episodes of the podcast, stability doesn't mean being still. Stability is about being balanced in a given moment. It's about having a harmonious um, disposition or a harmonious, it's the right word I'm looking for. Disposition doesn't really sound right, but more like a harmonious um, environment in the moment. That, But it also means that when that moment changes or when a new opportunity arises from a place of stability, so from a place of I'm in a good place, I don't need to move, but I see an opportunity or something in my environment now changed to destabilize me, I can create the instability that is necessary for me to evolve or to rapidly adapt to a new condition. So richness also means 
that ability, that, that kind of dual ability of being stable, which again, we've talked about this in a previous episode of being stable and of being able to take advantage of instability. So stable, instable, in order to move between growth and um, integration or grounding of that growth. Growth, integration, and grounding. Now, this isn't something that should be flipping, flopping back and forth all the time, but we already talked about this. But when you have the ability to do that, then you know that your ecosystem or that you as a species are rich. So roughly translating all of this into human speak, when you have community support, right? So that's those cooperative relationships with moments of other relationships. And we are going to talk about relationships in future episodes because this is a big point of conversation that we talk about all the time in uh, Reconnect with the Plant Kingdom and in my Plant Inspired Masterclasses because relationships are really important for plants and really important for humans. And in humans, we have defined a very limited amount of them when in reality, there's so many that we can look at. So Going back to what does richness, how do we define richness? We have richness is when you can have community support, when you feel like you're in a place where you belong, so you're adapted to the location in which you're in, you're flexible enough to update or modify your path, even though you feel comfortable on the path that you're in. So you're there and you're stable and you're integrated, but you're also able, if necessary, to modify things in order to better suit the coming situation. So that means that you can create a level of instability that provides a chance for evolution, a chance for um, more nourishment of a different aspect. You're also able to receive nourishment. So you are feeling rich when you also feel or can, physiologically speaking, receive, which that's a a little bit of a tricky one. That's one of those that's hides. We sometimes don't realize that we don't feel rich because we don't give ourselves the ability to receive. And so someone around us or people around us or situations around us are trying to give us nourishment, but because that nourishment comes in a form that's different than what we're expecting, we don't accept that nourishment. Um, This is kind of like the famous love languages or, you know, situations where your boss is trying to uh, give you this type of work and you're thinking it's a demotion and your, your boss is thinking it's a promotion. So these are all opportunities where we don't allow ourselves or where you don't feel, feel yourself worthy. That's another big one. Like I don't feel worthy or I have imposter syndrome. So therefore people give you compliments or try to offer you new opportunities and you turn them down because you don't feel like it. That's an extremely important aspect that a plant would never turn down a nourishment. They would look at it, know where it is, take in as much as is necessary or know where to find it going forward. But you wouldn't turn it down just because I feel like I'm an imposter and I don't deserve it type of aspect. And then the other part that is when you feel like you can receive, it's also I create from that place. So richness is not just being able to to take in. So even if you have a huge number in the bank, like a huge amount of money in the bank, you're probably not going to feel really rich because part of that richness requires you to be able to also produce something from that. Whatever that producing might be, that doesn't necessarily have to be a product or services, but it has to be something that you feel like you're a productive member of society. And these are many of the definitions that again, in future episodes, I'm gonna break down, I'm gonna go into relating to what it means to flourish in in a, from a, from a naturally conscious perspective, you might say, and different aspects of that. 
So now that we've explored richness, I really want to go into, from a plant's perspective, what does scarcity look like? Because in order for you to modify from scarcity to richness, you kind of have to have to explore that. But first, but first, I want to share with you a, um, I want to I want to share with you one of our eco-conscious partners. These are products and services that I rely on every day, and I feel like they're important to share who's doing the good work and how you can connect to their good work. The first time I connected with a plant and actually received a response, I got chills. It is such an invigorating sensation when you break through like that and realize just how connected we are and that we are nature. As a nature-inspired mentor myself, I was super excited to stumble upon the Shift Network and its mission to empower a global network of evolutionary change agents. Talk about my kind of movement. There are so many inspiring thought leaders, um, healers, empaths, and other visionaries all under one roof, each with an individual and collective mission to help you reawaken and co-create a just and prosperous world. Now check out the show notes, click on the link, and learn more about the Shift Network. Consider enrolling even in a course or two. They are the perfect complement to your evolving naturally conscious life. I hope you enjoy what you find in the Shift Network and come back to the Naturally Conscious community and let us know all about what you're learning and exploring. Okay, so where were we? Ah, yes, we had looked at richness and now we're going to talk about scarcity, important one. Okay, so what do we mean by scarcity? Because if we're gonna evolve out of scarcity, we have to give it a definition and it's probably gonna be a kind of a wide definition similar to what we talked about with richness. So in general, scarcity is commonly referred to something that is in short supply, right? We have a small amount of it and we feel like, or we think we're supposed to have much more. So that's where I feel like I'm living in scarcity. Um, it's also poverty mentality. There's like a lot of different terms that are probably synonyms or close uh, definitions, very similar definitions to what is scarcity. But for plants, this is something that most frequently exists in an emerging ecosystem. In other words, um, this is a new environment or an environment where a massive change has just happened and it's created a vacuum of scarcity. It could also happen under certain conditions where a mature environment little by little starts moving into more scarcity because conditions around change. But generally speaking, New environments, like brand new, uh, the physical conditions do not um, support extensive life. Um, that's one form of scarcity. Or another form of scarcity is that some piece of an ecosystem has either been completely depleted or has had what's called a disruption, something that's completely changed the way that the ecosystem was working and therefore has created a lack when there was an abundance before. Now, now, here's what's, what's really important. Scarcity is actually the grounds. It's like super fertile grounds, even though it's barren land in some aspects from a nature perspective, for experimentation and mutation. So the ability for you to try out new things and to modify the things that you're currently doing. Here, life cycles tend to be really short. They're rapid. 
Um, there's lots of feedback loops. So feedback loops are really plentiful. And this is a way that the organisms are checking in um, to see what they need in order to adapt. So this is a place of large exploration, like going off and exploring out. So this is roots that have just first been um, kind of planted going around to see where there are pockets of nourishment in the soil. Um, this is a place where above ground you see high reaching in order to understand what the air quality is and what we can get from the air. This is a place where you're going to have lots of feedback that's passing through. So there's lots of rapid movement in this. The way plants do things at this stage is really actually kind of simple. There's much more direct contact between one and the other and clusters are smaller and relationships are super dynamic. So they're highly dynamic. So if it doesn't work, you shift to something else. Um, if and, and if you may lose even a species along the way, this is an important thing to, to recognize, but this is also part of the natural cycle. And many of the plants that um, first exist in these types of scarce models and scarce locations are okay with the idea because they're either, um, they're either plants that... that um, what's the right, replicate or um, they they have reproduced. That's the word I'm looking for. They reproduce quite quickly. And so it's totally okay for you to lose some along the way. Um, when you start losing a large amount, then the system kind of goes into shutdown mode, but that's a whole other story. Here, we're just talking about a general moment of scarcity. So this is really where the what we call pioneer species comes in. And pioneer species are hardy species that are the first to come in to a barren environment or a previously rich environment, like a mature ecosystem, but that has been disrupted. Like, I don't know, a wildfire is a great disruption that we talk about. A wildfire, an avalanche, something where large amounts of earth moved. We have... Um, oceans that either recede or oceans that that come up and so therefore take over a new area that maybe had one type of of species development one kind of plants or something else and has become has gone from a dry area now to an extremely wet area you also see this in um mountains as the temperature is changing some mountains used to be a uh, cooler because um, lower down and now they're getting warmer as the heat is rising or vice versa. So you have lots of pockets like this or even in a large clearing like a forest and you have like, again, a wildfire or other kinds of disturbances like a forest clearing that happens. And so pioneer species um, are the first to come in because they are hardy. They have the role of creating conditions that are conducive to life on a kind of rapid scale. So they're really good explorers. They're usually really good in whatever environment is excessive in that moment. So if you have like a wildfire that opened up a big clearing, they're probably really good in the heat. Um, they're probably plants that are also really great in other kinds of conditions like uh, pine trees are excellent pioneer species. Some kinds of grasses, as you can imagine, if you have a barren soil, lichens and grasses are a great species that can come in fast and break down. Lichen can even break down rock to get the minerals and start to create soil. Um, even in lava flows or things like that, there's all kinds of species, which are those first species that really come in. Even abandoned parking lots. I mean, you've seen abandoned parking lots sometimes and all of a sudden you start to see all these little weeds that start to come up, all these beautiful wild plants that start to show up because they are the pioneer species that first conquer it. 
So pioneer species was one of the first concepts that I really learned about in biomimicry. So I real, really called to them. I think I am a pioneer species in a lot of way as a knight in Dominher, as well as as a, you know, personal evolution coach, my job is to get called in when there's a disturbance in your life or a disturbance to the circumstances that happen. And the first thing I'm here to do is really help you break down the terrain to see what is the nourishment that you most need in that moment. And then from there, we can start to explore the surrounding areas in order for you to choose where you're gonna put down roots and what kind of partnerships you need to call in in order to create, create a rich diversity of life. So it's important to recognize that a disturbance and a barren area from an ecosystem perspective is not negative. It's actually a natural part of evolution and it's actually quite helpful. You shouldn't actually want to avoid it. So scarcity should not be something that you stay away from, but instead scarcity can be something that you can call in. It's also useful for your evolution because if you have a mature complex ecosystem, so if you have your own work that's moving forward or your own life that's moving forward, Periodically, if you create pockets of scarcity, so in a natural ecosystem through a fire or a natural disaster, or even just a rebalancing that happens, you introduce new opportunities for growth. So by actually leaning into the scarcity, you can ask yourself, where are the places where you can actually grow from it, rather than trying to avoid that scarcity altogether. So part of the way that you evolve scarcity is actually leaning into it to hear what are the opportunities that are hidden behind it, whether that's opportunities for you to let go of certain kinds of conditioning, or whether those are opportunities for you to try different aspects out. So for example, in a mature forest where everything is stable, you might have an, an older tree that falls over and that creates a light gap. And that light gap means that sunlight now filters down to the very bottom of the ground. And on the ground, right underneath the surface, there's probably a whole series of different life that is just waiting for that warm sun and has been maturing underground to the maximum of their abilities. And now that there has been this light gap, those species can start to grow. So you can imagine this also as for your own space, if there is an opportunity where maybe um, a competitor steps out of the a ring or somebody brings a new, uh, a new space to your attention that you hadn't thought about, you can shift into it and you have everything prepared because you've created a foundation below it and now you're allowing that part to go in. So from what looks like barren ground, it could even be something that you've worked on for a long period of time, um, some part of your life that was maybe very important and for whatever reason, you can't keep carrying it out, okay. What is the opportunity? What is the light gap that got created? And what are other talents that maybe I wasn't using that are now sitting behind the surface and I have the ability to do? So from the scarcity, you might have a loss that got created from maybe that mature member of, this, of the ecosystem in the sense of the tree maybe falling down or a fire that might have come through. So maybe that also tree, you know, sequestered carbon or created food for neighboring trees. So there is an actual loss, but the new opportunity for life also begins. And that gives you the chance to improve on the way that you were doing something differently. So that ecosystem might instead replace 
replace might grow in a whole series of other kinds of species that maybe sequester even more carbon or just do things in a very different way, but always moving towards the evolution. So this in turn is going to provide whole new sources of food, of shelter, and probably additional ecosystem services because where that mature tree was stable in what were the connections that that tree had, when you have a new species that pops up, all the new species have the ability to create new and improved connections, relying on what are the current conditions. So if you imagine that that mature tree created those conditions 30, 40, 600 years ago, the tree created things based on what the conditions were and has been slightly adapting where the new species that pop up are having the opportunity of being the next generation that are even more well adapted to the environment and therefore could provide more services in the long term. But you have to leave the space for that. You have to give the opportunity for that to happen. All of these types of scarcity models are cyclical. They can be extremely enriching. They can provide turnover and new combinations when you allow them the time that they require. So you want to, again, lean into that scarcity for yourself, and therefore you can push out into new models and new ways of putting it. So really, when we think about it, different from the way that species do this, from the way plants in particular do and think about scarcity and richness, is that humans have developed all these beliefs that scarcity is negative. And without having, like, it's almost as if you don't have enough, so you go into panic and therefore you can't see the opportunities. Identifying that conditioning is the first step you want to do in order to liberate yourself and move into a process of richness. Because once fear takes over, our belief gets stuck and it's rooted in place and it becomes immobile truth. And nothing should ever, ever, ever be immobile. Being immobile is never going to help. You always need to adapt and change as the circumstances adapt. So really, the, the way that you evolve scarcity into richness is to focus on the freedom that you can do what needs to be done and go in the direction that you need to go at any given moment and rely on the fact that the scarcity is providing an opportunity for you to either release different kinds of belief systems in yourself or to move in some kind of other direction in order for you to leverage or scale. So this is a really important aspect that I could go on forever. But I think I'm going to stop right here because I want to hear your thoughts around scarcity and richness. So please leave me a comment or, or better yet, join the conversation in the Naturally Conscious community because NCC is really that supportive ecosystem that we've created to explore new ways of living and being and doing business in collaboration with the plant world. So it's the best place for us to have these conversations. But I want to kind of go further with this, but I feel like right now it's just about evaluating and really um, exploring this topic of scarcity and of richness and that evolution is through the feeling of freedom that comes when knowing you can adapt to, to these changing conditions. So leave me a comment and we will talk next time. I will go deeper into this subject. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reconnect with Plant Wisdom. Intro and outro music by Steve Shuley and Poinsettia from The Singing Life of Plants. So join me, Tigrila Gardenia, and my plant collaborators next time on Reconnect with Plant Wisdom.